Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. But I get nervous about what it says about me if I don't want to have a regular growth-oriented conversation about my life. Today's episode is from our show on coaching, where elite coaches from Novus Global and faculty from the Meta Performance Institute discuss the pursuit of excellence in executive coaching. In part one of this inaugural episode, I talk with coaches David Gerber, Janet Wood, and Amanda Jaggard as they dive into the why and how that brought them to their careers in coaching. Now, whether you're a veteran to the coaching industry, are considering hiring a coach, or becoming one yourself, there's something here for everyone, so enjoy the show. Super excited to have this conversation. This is our pilot episode of On Coaching, and we'll, we'll see we'll see if this is as interesting to other people as it is to us. We're here with uh, David Gerber. Say hi, David. Hello. <laughs> and Jana Wood. Hi. And Amanda Inchowski. Hello. So the obviously the conversation is about coaching. These are four four of us are practitioners in the coaching space. We get to work with some pretty incredible people all over the world. And uh, so what I want to start with now is someone's listening to this and they are maybe dipping their toes in the coaching conversation. Either they're thinking about hiring a coach or they're, they, they are a coach, and, but they're new or they're you know, somewhere in their coaching journey. What I'd love to hear from the three of you is uh, like, why coaching? Like why this is something that we've all chosen as a uh, career, as a vocation, as, and sometimes a calling. So why, why did you pick this versus other things? And all of us have done other things. So why did we land here? And uh, Gerbs, why don't you take it away? What I what I personally love about coaching is I I love the the ability to get on a call with a client and uh, and to know that I get to bring the the gifts and talents that that are come come very natural to me and I've worked very hard at and I get to utilize those I get to, I feel like I get to use the best gifts that I have inside of me to have conversations with clients and ask powerful questions and then. And then for that to actually result in, in uh, you know, incredible amounts of transformation for the client. And so that's, that's why I chose coaching. Yeah, that's great. Who else? I can remember from the time I was like a teenager, uh, wanting desperately to help other people get their lives together. <laughs> I would just do it really poorly. Um, and it would mostly be me agitated that people aren't figuring it out. So I often tell people I've been a coach forever. I just did a really, really bad job of it long before I learned that it was a profession. Um, I just always remember being frustrated, like, oh, if this person only did this, if this person only did this, then, then they would be happy or they would be able to figure it out. It happened all through college, early 20s. And I was mostly just a really annoying, uh, unsolicited advice giver. Uh, and then when I discovered what executive coaching was, I was like, this is a job and I can do a much more, I can be way more effective. So it, it like for me, and I think it's different for everyone, but for me, when I went to, it was like a three day weekend, uh, a workshop led by two executive coaches. When I went to that experience, it clicked instantly for me where mm. I knew I need a coach and I want to be a coach. Like there was no doubt in my mind. It was very, very clear. And I feel very lucky in that way. It was perfect time in my life. Uh, I was right when I was in a transition and 
uh, I was, I was ecstatic because I've always had naturally a lot of fulfillment from having conversations with people and, and their lives shifting. Yeah. So that's how it was for me. Amanda, I'm curious what that is for you. A little similar in that when I think about my first job out of college, it was almost my first coaching job. I was a school teacher in a juvenile detention center. And I remember having so many conversations around ownership and like, you know, owning, owning your life and not being the victim, you know, the distinction between being a victim and an owner. And I didn't realize it then that that's what I was doing. I think that Mm -hmm. I just internally thought like that's the most powerful tool to be able to give people. Like I can't fix things for them, but I can give them these tools. And then Mm -hmm. I think, um, in my, in my own life, going through some really hard things and the coaching work coming in and to be honest, like saving me, like, I don't know where my life would have gone if I didn't have these tools and these principles and would have had these conversations and these coaches in, in my life. And so as I, as I stand in being a coach, it's like, I, I have experienced such transformation in myself and in my family that I want that so desperately Mm. for other people and their lives and the people who they're in contact with. So it really is this, like, I think there was always this internal, like understanding of it and then seeing it transform me. And it's just like, I just want to pay it, pay it forward to other people. Yeah. 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 Jason, what about you? Well, I I have like a story, you know, I have, how like coaching play the role that it played in my life. But I think about what I really love most about it is I, I'm a sucker for like in movies, I'm a sucker for when someone gets chosen. I'm a sucker for like when, when Yoda picks Luke or uh, when, you know, I, I love the West wing, like when flashback episodes that show how the staff was put together. And there's this moment when someone sees something in somebody else mm. and says, I believe in you. And if you work with me, uh, I will help you unleash that in a way that will take you beyond what you think you're capable of right now. And there's there's kind of like a twinkle in the eye and there's a, a bit of romance. And you as the audience know that this is going to change everything for them. And I, I think I get goosebumps thinking about it because I think like when I work with my clients, like I want to be, I want to be at least one person in their life who chooses them, who says, I see you, I believe in you. Uh, you have so much potential and it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful, um, but it's going to be awesome. And if you trust me, I will work with you and you are going to really enjoy the future you step into because of our lives intersecting. And there's just something mm-hmm. really magical and romantic about that for, for me. That And, and it's well, what, and so a couple of things about that. One is I like how all of us kind of have a different story, you know, and, and by the way, my guess is Jana, I could ask you that question. 50 times and you give 50 different answers depending on what day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mine's pretty compulsive. I think <laughs> um, my answer is pretty compulsive, but mm-hmm. so then I think where I'd like to go in this conversation is with, for people who are new in their journey, I'd love to hear from the three of you, your thoughts on uh, if a person's thinking about getting into coaching, why should they choose to coach or why should they not choose to coach? Like, is there anybody, let me ask the question this way. Is there anyone you would tell, Hey, you'd make a horrible coach. And if so, what kind of person would make a horrible coach? I think about this a lot. Uh, I think one of the things I tell people, cause I get a lot of people, we live in Los Angeles. So, 
<laughs> like, like I think you've said this, Jason, you could throw a rock and hit a coach. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of people who approach me, Hey, I'm thinking about becoming a coach. And I've gotten to the point where I will send them with five or 10 things to go do. And I say, okay, if in a year you're still interested, then come back to me. Ooh, what are those? What are some of those things? Uh, I will send, give them books. So uh, there's a, a list of books that we often give to our clients. So the three laws of performance, the mm -hmm. prosperous coach, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell them to go have conversations. Um, the, honestly, you could get started and, and maybe I'm biased. That's how I started. I just dove in. Yeah. And so when there's people who come to me and they're like, well, first I need to be trained and first this is that I'm like, look, just go start having conversations. And if in a year you don't now also want to be a yoga instructor and something and five other things, <laughs> then yeah. let's talk. Um, so what I tell people, cause there, I did talk to one person once I said, Hey, you're, you're a natural conversationalist. Have you ever thought about coaching? Do you get excited? when thinking about helping people and they were like, and eh, no, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the there are people out there. So I, I tell people, if you naturally feel fulfilled, excited, giddy about the idea of changing someone's life through a conversation, then this is probably something you want to look into. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's not everyone. Yeah. The, the, the thing that comes to mind for me is I remember, uh, you ever seen like a, you know, a really great musician just or dancer or whatever? And I remember thinking, uh, talking to them and saying, hey, like, how long does it take me to 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 do that, what you just did? And the the best response they ever gave was like, if you're asking that question, it'll never happen. Mm. Really? Like, it, it, you can't you can't put it on paper like that. And I think so. I think the people that would make terrible coaches would just people that don't have the grit. Yeah, you, you have to have this. Uh, I mean, we could all do a whole episode on just the number of failures we've had or the time I had to ask a client if I could have a break <laughs> during the middle <laughs> of a session because yeah. I was so lost and things like that. <laughs> well, yeah, and so, go ahead. We'll, we're going to come back to that for sure, but go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah. So so I think if somebody doesn't have grit and, and just a, 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 like um, if there's something else you can go do, go do it. But yeah. if there's this like beat in you that I have to find a way to do this and you'll do everything, just like somebody who's willing to practice guitar for eight hours a day or dance for eight hours a day or play piano, then if you've, if you've got that in you, you could become a really great coach doing that. Yeah. Amanda, what are you thinking? When I think about uh, should you get into coaching, maybe, maybe not, there's two things that come to mind. One is if you really like telling people what to do and rescuing them, probably not not a good idea. Um, the other thing is if you don't like doing the work in your own life, like if you don't like lifting yes. the weights on your own, um, like whether like with a coach, if you don't like having a coach in your life, if you don't like thinking about these questions on your own and growing and, and transforming continually in your own self or like expanding your vision and trying, you know, doing new things and going out of your, like if you're not doing it in you, um, I find that it's just really hard then to go and hold that space and really fiercely advocate for, for somebody else. Yeah. 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 One of the things we say a lot in the firm is uh, don't ever hire a coach who doesn't have a coach. And I think that mm -hmm. that speaks to that. Now, I want to contrast that a little bit because Janet said earlier, 
that she got into coaching because she liked telling people what to do. <laughs> and Amanda's saying, don't get into coaching uh, if you like telling people what to do. Uh, fight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Janet, you, you grew up. Yeah, I grew up. <laughs> well, cause I remember that was the core of it. I, I always was fascinated by all things, personality tests, you know, strengths finder, Enneagram, you know, all of that good stuff. Le all anything, the drugs. All the, the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I actually saw what executive coaching was, I saw, oh, this is way more effective. So there was still the it, it was it was the how that I was confused. Of. Yeah. I, I knew I felt fulfilled when someone's life really? got transformed, and I thought it was let me just tell them how I did it, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> sure that will help them. That's like oftentimes the only tool we have. Like I think mm -hmm. even about parenting, right? Someone's like, ah, I'm going to tell them what to do. I'm going to tell them what to do. So I think as a kid, if that's all you're receiving is people giving you counsel and telling you what to do, we think, yeah. oh, that's how you help people. Yeah. 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 So, so even like Janet, what I hear you saying is that you you told people what to do when you were younger because you that was the only tool you had in your toolbox. And then when you saw coaching, you realized there were other tools available towards helping people. And you yeah. actually you actually cared more about helping people than telling them what to do. Yep. And what I think that I hear Amanda saying is if you, if you like telling people what to do more than you like helping people, yes, then you shouldn't yeah. be a coach. That's good. That's good. I've never I, thought about that before. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the other thought I have is I, I, I get the feeling that a lot of people want have the idea of building a coaching practice because they think, Oh, I could talk to people for a living and make money <laughs> and make my own schedule. Oh, great. Why not? I talk to people. I love conversations. <laughs> and yes. so one of the things that, you know, I see this happen so often. I, I remember distinctly when I s watched witness two executive coaches in the front of room in, in the front of a room full of 50 people. And to me, it was like watching a magician. I felt like they were taking people's complaints and turning them into possibilities. Mm. And I yeah. distinctly remember thinking, if it takes me 10 years to develop that level of mastery, that would be worth it. It wasn't just, oh, I want to make easy money. I want to get rich quick. Or, yeah. you know, like I yeah. want to yeah. be able to have my own schedule and talk to someone from the Caribbean on my computer. You know, like it was, it was, <laughs> I cared about, a level of mastery. And I tell people that all the time, like mm -hmm. uh, to me, and this is where, I don't know if this is everyone, but I have a strong conviction that, uh, going after a level of mastery in something is what really brings a high level of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't go in that way, you're going to be disappointed a year, two years, three years in. What came up when I was listening to you and Amanda dialogue, Janet was, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people like to teach. Yeah. You know, and, and like, you know, I, I do public speaking sometimes and I know a lot of people who do public speaking who then think that because they're good at communicating that they're going to be a good coach. And mm -hmm. that might be true, but oftentimes people, just like some people have mm -hmm. a desire to tell people what to do versus actually help them. I think the teacher type, uh, and I put myself oftentimes in that category, cares more about like explaining things or teaching a person something than actually helping them. Yeah. And being in the state, being on stage, and teaching is a radically different skill set than being with a client and listening. Yeah. yeah and mm -hmm. the worst coaches I know are doing maybe what I'm doing now, which is like monologue. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've been with a client 
or sorry, I can't tell you how many times I've been coached by somebody and they won't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, Jason, what I, what I, what I do think about is it's like, you're the good, co- like you're there for the other person. Yes. So if I'm, if I'm there to tell them what to do, so I feel good about getting, giving the best advice, or if I'm there to tell them what I know so that I look so smart and intelligent, that's when it's like, that's not, that's not coaching. I am in it for me, not for yeah. them. Yeah. Great coaching is where they're the star, yeah. not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the, they're totally. the superhero, not you. Well, and Jason, for you, you have an interesting story uh, because you were helping people and doing coaching, consulting long before you actually discovered what this style and type of coaching was. So what was that journey for you like? Well, I mean, well, I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but what I was thinking when you were asking it, which may be another example of bad listening, <laughs> was uh, something that Amanda said about doing the work yourself. I, I became attracted to coaching because of what it did in me before mm. what I could use it for mm-hmm. others. Yeah. You know, I coaching yeah. for me is one of those weird professions where the better person you become, the better you are at it. Yeah. Uh, not all the time. Like there's some yeah. great coaches who are horrible people, but I find a connection between those two things. And, and, and so I, I got into coaching. I got into coaching, not to coach other people. I got into the coaching space because my life was falling apart. I was going through mm. my divorce. I was starting this small company. It wasn't going very well. I was writing this book that, you know, that, that I was terrified no one was going to read. And, mm. and I was looking for, I was, I was, I was lost. You know, I, I had kind of exited my community and I didn't mm. have any, I didn't have any guardrails or any kind of um, rungs to grab onto. Mm. And so then coaching, came along at that the right time for me to grab onto that. And I was like, wow, this is really helpful for me. And so then, then, and I, and I, I was exposed to the coaching and then I hired Gerber to be my coach. And when I was working with Gerber, it wasn't like, Hey Gerber, teach me how to coach. It was like, Hey Gerber, my life's falling apart. Can you help me? Yeah. And, and then, and then it was, it's actually after another buddy of ours got trained as a coach where I was like, it, when it dawned on me that you could do that. Mm. So I was just, I was a beneficiary of coaching for years before it even dawned on me to turn it into a profession. Mm. And then I was like, well, I think I could, I think I could be good at that. Well, yeah, I was going to say as someone who has been beside you and watched that journey, I think there's probably a lot of people then who have watched, like they watched the work in you and watched you grow. And so then when it was a profession and you were offering it to the people, like I'm like, people were attracted to the work because of what the work had done in you. And it's funny. I was thinking, I appreciate you saying that. Like I'm a pretty obsessive uh, personality. Uh, like I, I latch onto things, whether it's uh, hobbies or ideas, or even sometimes in, in conversation, like arguments. I think the three of you have been the beneficiary of me when I get like like lockjawed on on something that we're we're disagreeing about, and it's very uncomfortable. Um, what I what I liked about coaching is it gave me something to be obsessed about that actually expanded my life versus contracting it. Mm-hmm. It kind of it gave me healthier things to you know latch onto, and then it was like I grabbed onto a rocket, not really like it was a rocket. Most of the things I grab onto are like dead dead weights, and they kind of you have to drag them along. The coaching modalities was like grabbing onto a rocket, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Whoa, I like <laughs> I like this," you know. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. was a really fun experience for me. Gerber, go ahead. What I was going to say is, uh, Jason, I'm interested in maybe for all of us is what, because I think each of us had some level of getting coached before we went into coaching, if that, if I'm accurate, yeah, some degree. And I'm wondering for you, Jason, what, 
in those early coaching sessions, whether it was with me and other people in your world, what, what are the specific things that seem to draw you towards the, the coaching profession? That's interesting. One is, well, I, th I see Amanda thinking, cause are you wondering if you, did you get coached before you? Before yeah, you I don't know. I didn't. So, um, well, and yeah, sorry to interject, but like, even when you're going through the, the coaching Academy, you're, you're, you're getting you're, coached, you're getting coached, but so it's, it's a, yeah, anyway. but it is a little bit different. And you know, even like yeah. folks who are even clients of ours who we're currently training. So there's, there's several who, who are probably listening to this. There are several companies we're working with and, and training their management teams on how to be coaches. You know, one of the prerequisites we have is in order to go through the meta performance management training is you have to get coached. So you mm -hmm. have a feel, you've got your sea legs, you've got a lay of the land before we start showing you, uh, you know, pulling the curtain back and wizard of Ozing you a little bit. Uh, so, so I, I'm, I'm open to, and, and would like to leave Amanda's story intact in terms of she just stepped into yeah. it. I probably was one of the reasons why I struggled so much as a starting coach mm. because uh. I hadn't had that experience. So I was bringing like a very raw type of understanding. And so I, I didn't have necessarily the models of coaching, learning from somebody else. Um, I think really understanding the value of having that person on the other side of you, giving, giving you feedback. Like I just had really weak muscles in a lot of things. And so um, like it was okay, but I got trained and then I didn't start really coaching professionally for like two or three more years. Um, so I think, mm. yeah, I wonder, I wonder what my trajectory would have been if I would have gotten coached first before mm. I actually got trained as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do. I wonder that too. Well, and what's really interesting is, so Gerber has got a ton of exposure to the training stuff before you joined the firm. Uh, and and mm -hmm. we'd love to, Gerber, maybe for you to share a little bit about that. Janet, you didn't ever do any formalized training. Nope. hired a really, a really great coach who's a colleague of ours and then kind of pulled from that. And that'd be maybe a fun conversation, Janet, maybe for another time, maybe for now, but in terms of uh, what, cause I actually would never recommend that. I would never yeah. recommend Janet's journey into coaching. So what was it about you that made that work? Which, you know, we'll, we'll put a pin in for a second. And then Amanda uh, who never got coached or anything and then just jumped into the training. I think probably Amanda has like a learner's, you know, learner's, Hey, cool. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> I do. I'll, I'll jump out of the plane every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, but and Gerber to answer your question quickly, and then I want to come back to Janet for a second. Um, I, I, I wish there was a better answer to this, but my world was falling apart and I just needed help. Yeah. You know? And frankly, this was, you know, seven, eight years ago, I could afford you back then. <laughs> and, and so it was, it was fine. In fact, another friend of ours who I hired as a coach, I remember one time, he was late to our session. This is back when we did it in person. He was late to the session and he said, Hey, I'm, I'll, I'm happy to, to give you this session for free. Cause I was late. And I said, yeah, I'll take that. And it wasn't like, yeah, I'll take it. It was like, thank you because I could use the money. Yeah. And I remember him being really annoyed by that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think he was expecting me to be like, no, don't worry about it. It's so nice <laughs> to even offer. And I was like, no, because <laughs> I think at that time in my life, I, I, uh, was living in some ways, in many ways off the charity of others. And so it was just helpful to, it was helpful to, um, to just talk it out. And I went through the four day, I went through that thing called breakthrough or whatever. I can't remember if that it was breakthrough yep. or awaken or whatever. Yep. I went through like a four day training thing before I think I hired Gerber. And so I had a little bit of the framework uh, to it. Okay. Uh, and then, so then, but I remember Gerber when you were, 
asking me, and this is a longer answer than I intended to give, but I remember when you were asking me questions, how, how confused I was even by the questions you were asking. So probably hmm. if you were to go back in time, I'd say it wasn't necessarily that helpful in terms hmm. of like what I know I could have gotten out, out of it now. Really, yep. it was like my buddy giving me attention and asking me questions. And, and if, if I remember right too, sometimes you, I, like I wasn't getting it, but it was just helpful to like talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know? When I remember, um, there's something key that you said there. I think is really important, and it's also mentioned in in one of our favorite books, the "Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play" book, where they mm -hmm. say one of my favorite quotes from the book. It says, "It's it's essentially impossible to help someone who doesn't have any perceived needs or wants." Mm -hmm. And so I think you know. So for you, it, the one key ingredient was there was you, you like you were willing to acknowledge my life's falling apart. Yeah, and I think it takes that step for somebody is like to acknowledge, mm -hmm. "Hey, I could use some help." And yeah. that, and, and, and if you, and for us as, as uh, practitioners, I think we realize I, I want to be in that place the rest of my life yes. with something yep. like, Hey, I could use some yeah. help here. Um, cause otherwise you're assuming oh, I've arrived, here we go. Like, you know, whatever it is. And, and you lose that tenacity of spirit of, yeah, I have a perceived need or want here and somebody could probably help me with this. Yeah. yeah I love that. And I think one of the reasons why my trajectory uh, has, has accelerated so quickly is because I love, uh, I, I feel very comfortable in the, I don't know what I'm doing space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love putting myself in a situation where I have no idea how to win and then trying to figure out how to win. That's really gratifying for me. Cause that's and where by, you grow. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. where, well, it's I don't about, know. That, it's about growth. That's probably, I'm wondering why I'll have to, I'll reflect on that not during a podcast about why I love that so much. Uh, maybe it's because of growth. Um, <laughs> and, but Janet, I do, I do want to, here, like, what was it about you? What is it about you that made just getting coached into that space? Would you recommend that to other people? <laughs> and what types of people would you recommend that to? What types of people would you not recommend that to? I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I think it's very interesting, especially now being the director of the Institute and, uh, you know, having a big part in the journey of a lot of new coaches. Um, I keep, I just keep coming back to the word tenacity. Well, tenacity and grit. Um, so I, I do get a little frustrated, whether for good reason or bad reason, when I see co new coaches who are kind of like, tell me, tell me how, like what, like, I can't figure it out. And I'm like, I literally, like after my first coaching call, <laughs> I, first of all, I recorded it. I didn't know if I didn't even get permission to do that probably. Um, and I just wrote down everything. I took everything from books. I wrote it down. I, my first few coaching calls were, were not over video call. It was on, on the phone uh -huh. and I was sitting in, it's smaller than a twin bed. It was a cot in the same room with my mom. <laughs> while I was doing coaching calls on my bed, because that was the only way I had privacy. And I would have all these index cards laid out on the bed with all these different tools. And I would just be on the call like, okay, this one. <laughs> okay, I'll ask this question. Um, That's great. And, it, you know, I and the person was getting a lot of value. Um, and granted, again, so like you said, there's pros and cons to that. After a couple years of that, I did okay, but I definitely hit a ceiling where this is to this day, I just feel grateful that our paths collided mm. because I needed a new upgrade. I, I, I went as far as I could on my own um, and I, I would not be where I'm at now if it wasn't for 
surrounding myself with some of the best of the best to upgrade mm-hmm. to the next level. But I mean, I, I that's how I taught myself. <laughs> yeah. Janet, I want to acknowledge your humility in that. Like I listened to that and that is so inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. And especially back to what you said about mastery, like you'd had the muscles of what it looked like to develop mastery in something and nobody needed to tell you how to do it. Yeah. You wanted it so bad and you you did but like I just like the humility of feeling okay with having the notes around like I don't need to know it all before I jump into it and then mm-hmm. the humility is like ah oh, if I want to upgrade I'm going to get together with these group of people be around people who are better than me so I can grow and I can learn I could just want to really affirm and acknowledge mm-hmm. that humility in you. Thank you. To answer your question, would you recommend that? I don't know that I would recommend it. Why would you not recommend it? Well, it's in the I don't know space because one, I do think that developing mastery at anything requires a level of just figure it out, like a scrappiness, a a grit. And I, I think that there is some danger that you can learn some bad habits along the way. Well, what's interesting about that's an interesting phrase, by the way, like what are coaching bad habits? Yeah. That'd be a fun, that'd be a fun whole episode for us mm-hmm. to do because the weird thing about coaching is it's so private. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you don't know what your bad habits are. You know, it's like, there's no one, there's very rarely are there someone watching you Yeah. and you're not watching yourself because you don't, you're watching yourself and you think you're doing fine. That's, you know, it's a blind spot, which is interesting. And so I think mm-hmm. community is one of the things that helps people. Yeah. Um, identify their coaching bad habits. I was just going to say, if I had kept doing that for 10 years <laughs> uh, and then joined the firm, I would have come in with all mm-hmm. these ways and bad habits and it would have been harder to break those if it wasn't that it was so new. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is this: there's a distinction between like being able to do it and being able to master it. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people, you know, I, I, I interact with, I, um, uh, Dan Laffalar, our managing director, and I were in Colorado with a bunch of very charismatic, uh, very successful leaders in a very specific space. And I think probably all of them have what it takes to be a good coach. Uh, and they could probably go through some like very minimal thing and they'd be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I think what we love and I think what we're committed to is not just being fine, not just being good at something, yeah, but pursuing mastery around something, mm-hmm. and and I think mastery comes from. I don't want to be a, a uh, there's a word for it, not dilettante, but a an elitist where you have to have degrees and things in order to be good at something. But I think you do have to have uh, reps. I think you do yeah, have del- to have deliberate yeah, practice is the term that that I like. Right, so it's not just getting getting your 10,000 hours in, but it is this deliberateness of practice. And I think that's what I like about being a part of the firm is it's like I, I don't just coast in my ability as, as a coach and just fine and I'm helping people and I get good feedback from clients and mm. they like me and it's not – but there is this deliberate – practice of constantly want to get better and grow in my craft. It's a, it's a craft and I want to master it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. In my experience, when you talk to solopreneur coaches, they define their success based on their revenue. Mm-hmm. And we do that somewhat in the firm. Like we, obviously we measure revenue and how we grow and everything like that. But one of the things I really like about being in the firm is for me is comparing and contrasting with other types of coaching 
and other styles, other personalities. And, and I really do get to, mm. to focus on the craft. What were you charging back then with the note cards? Ooh, ooh. During that time, probably really low, like 250, 350 a month. Something like that. So that's interesting. That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> that, was a, that was a lot cheaper well, than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, like I'm trying to think of the average because at the beginning, I remember my first client, it was like 25 bucks a session. Yeah. Um, and that was probably closer to the note cards. And then as time went on, it was closer to 250, 350. Yeah. And then maybe I didn't have the note cards. I had just my notes for the client. So yeah. it was a, it was a progression. Yeah, <laughs> I still have note cards. Yeah. I <laughs> well, I think I think one of the reasons why I ask is because I'd imagine somebody listening to this saying, "Holy cow!" So like Janet just calls herself a coach. And now she's charging hundreds of dollars an hour to you know tell people how to live their lives. Is there any ethics behind that? Mm. And and it's like, well, Janet's charging about what you'd pay to go see a movie, uh, you know, for to be able to talk for an hour. Yeah, it's comparable. You you don't go to a movie and say, "What's the what's the ethics?" of right. uh, seeing a movie. If someone gets bad advice from a Christopher Nolan film, yeah, uh, you know, it's an interesting <laughs> way of, of, you know, of looking at it versus an hour with a human being. Uh, well, and there's something to that because even though the, the questions and the tools at the very beginning, so I would say when the, no, the note card phase is probably closer to a hundred bucks a, a month. Uh, and even though, you know, they weren't natural to me yet. This is why I think it's so important to remember how powerful these questions are because I still had the questions. And I think I see a lot of new coaches overthink and they're trying to invent new things. And we forget that it's not about me and what I have. It's just holding space with the questions for that person. And that's why people were still willing to pay, like pay me at that new phase. It's like, no one was asking them these questions. Yeah, that's really good, Janet. And I, I would say that's probably like coaching for dummies. And I mean that not in, a, in like in the commercial way, not like in a literal way, like coaching, yep. you know, like beginners coaching is, hey, look, just learn. There are a few key powerful questions that if you learn and ask, it is helpful for people. Yeah. You know, and that's if, if you're a beginning coach, if all else fails, ask them questions that they're not asking themselves. Yeah. This concludes part one of our inaugural episode for On Coaching. Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and remember, dare to go beyond high performance.